Welcome to Baseball America's College Podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball. I'm Teddy Cahill. We've got Mike Lunana here, and we're going to talk some college baseball. We've got a new top 25 this week, and Mike is excited about our new top 25, which is powered by Louisville Slugger, as, as it always is. And uh, Mike, it was a it was another you know big weekend of college baseball around the country. We're uh, we're just a couple weeks away from Selection Monday, um, and you know we're getting down to it. And we had a huge series out west this weekend with Oregon State taking on Stanford. Stanford came in as the number two team in the country, first place in the Pac-12, uh, but they were not able to handle the Beavers in Corvallis. And, and Oregon State won the first two games of that series. Uh, Stanford comes back. Claims the finale in extra innings. That was a big win for the Cardinal to stay in first place. But what we have now is a a six-game sprint to the finish in the Pac-12. Stanford has a a one-and-a-half game edge on Oregon State. They have pretty similar uh, strength of schedule to the the close, I think. But regardless of how that race turns out, Oregon State this weekend really kind of made a statement. Yeah, I think, I mean, this is really what we've been waiting for with Oregon State. I know it's been kind of strange, the fact that they hadn't played a top 25 opponent up until this weekend. It's not something that is necessarily their fault. It's not really their fault, but it's something that still, I know, has given us some pause as we have put together these rankings every week, looking at how their schedule stacks up. Obviously, the record is loud and what they've done this year. Now they're 38-8 and after this weekend, but... We wanted to see them against tough, tough competition, and Stanford is as tough as it gets. Obviously, the number two team in the country, solidly the number two team in the country, and Oregon State did what Oregon State has done so well over these last couple of seasons, and they won the series. They were they were dominant over those first couple of games, and you know it was it was certainly a, a very loud statement, and it puts the Beavers in great position. You know they look obviously very much like a national seed. Same goes for Stanford, a team that is still in first place in the Pac-12. Both those teams have separated themselves from the Pac, pun intended. So, as always. As, as always. It's always intended. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's always intended. But certainly a loud statement from Oregon State in the, in the biggest series in the country, You know, the series that certainly I was looking most forward to, seeing how it would shake out. Yes, yeah, so... I mean, ultimately, I don't know how much trouble Oregon State would have been in in terms of being a top eight seed had they lost this. But, but like you mentioned, winning it kind of uh, shores up their resume. But from Stanford's perspective, does this matter? Because you know they're number two in RPI. They've been they've been going back and forth with Florida as to who is number one in RPI for a few weeks. I think this probably deci- decidedly puts them behind Florida, uh, unless Florida is to slip up. But they're still winning the Pac-12. Uh, the, the RPI is still really good. All the metrics are still really good. They've won almost every series. But at the same time, they've now lost series in the Pac-12 to Oregon State and UCLA. And, uh, I mean, those are two really good teams. Stanford had to go on the road. I mean, what do you make of that, Mike, uh, as we look at this Cardinal team? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really bother me much because you look at the rest of the resume – you look at how consistent they've been. You look at their non-conference schedule, too. They played a very good non-conference schedule. You know, their series win against Michigan is looking better. Their series win against Cal State Fullerton is looking better. They won at Texas. That's very a very loud series win for them. And, yeah, they did lose those series on the road. But as we've talked about on this podcast before, those are two very good teams. And that bothers me less than, you know, the two series that Oregon State lost as well, you know, to to Arizona and Utah at the start of Pac at Pac-12 play. So for me, it, it doesn't bother me much. I think you you look at their resume, and it's a very stout resume for Stanford. I think they've there's no question that they've earned this this number two RPI that they have. They've earned this national seed standing that they have right now, and I think they're in really good shape heading into the postseason. I st- I still see them as a as a national championship contender. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's all very fair. Um, what Stanford has done this season, the overall body of work, very impressive. This weekend, I think I was most impressed, though, with how Oregon State hit around uh, Tristan Beck and Chris Bubich, two of the, you know, one of the top, you know, parent duos of, yeah. uh, in the country in terms of starting pitching. And 
Oregon State had no problems with that. They uh, those are the two games that Oregon State won this weekend, and you know they got on Beck early, and then Beck kind of settled down a little bit. Um, they just really kind of very consistently went about knocking Chris Bubich out of the game pretty early, and um, you know went on to a, a pretty decisive ten nothing victory <clears throat> in that in that game two to clinch the series. And uh, I mean, when this Oregon State offense gets going. You know, when you have Trevor Larnick going and Nick Madrigal and Caden Grenier and Stephen Kwan, it, it just goes on and on. I mean, it's just incredibly tough, one through nine. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good lineup. I think, you know, I, I know maybe more so last year than this year, I know a lot of the talk with Oregon State is about the pitching staff, why they're so good. It's the pitching, it's the pitching, it's the pitching. But offensively, they're they're a very dangerous club offensively. I think they're they're a very well-balanced team on, on both sides of the ball and field, field it really, really well, too. And you look at them offensively, if you watch them and you watch their approach, all their hitters are very disciplined at the plate. They go up with a plan. They do their research. They're, they're a very difficult lineup to pitch to because they don't often swing outside of the strike zone and very controlled at the plate. And, you know, they can put up runs in a hurry if they're hitting and seeing the ball the way they were this weekend, clearly as they showed against two of the better pitchers in college baseball. So, you know, for me, I, I think that's a, a great sign if you're an Oregon State fan. The fact that their lineup was able to do that against two premium arms, that bodes really well heading into the postseason because they're only going to see more arms like that as they get deeper and deeper into this thing. All right, now, Mike, like I mentioned, two weeks left in the Pac-12 because there's no tournament out there. Um, Oregon State is at USC this weekend, finishes home to UCLA. Stanford home to Washington State this weekend, finishes at Washington. One-and-a-half game lead for the Cardinal. Who do you got? I think the Cardinal's going to hold on. I, I feel I feel pretty good about the Cardinal. Uh, Stanford's taking care of business in every other series this year other than the, the aforementioned UCLA and Oregon State series. I think they're going to bounce back. I think they're, they're going to shake this off, and I think they're the Pac-12 champions. Well, that will be, uh, if they are to win, I believe that would be their first title since 2004. Um, They had a chance this weekend to really kind of put it all away. Um, Obviously, Oregon State stood in the way of that, and and they were unable to do so. But I I think that, you know, they do remain the favorite at this point. Um, You know, it's hard for me to say which one of them has an advantage in terms of schedule. Um, when Stanford goes to Washington, it's quite likely that the Huskies are going to be kind of fighting for their postseason lives a little bit uh, on that final weekend. And then, um, you know, Oregon State doesn't have any easy with uh, that weekend with UCLA coming. So it, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Um, but, yeah, Stanford, I think, right now remains, remains the favorite with uh, two weeks to play. On the other side of the country, in the SEC, uh, there is no more SEC title race. That is over. Florida clinched its second straight regular season title um, by beating Georgia twice this weekend. The Gators continue to just be a freight train. They've won 19 straight series. This is nothing new. There is no new ground that we're covering here with Florida. This is more of just marveling at... Uh, the SEC title being wrapped up before the final weekend of the regular season, you very rarely see that. And then I, I think it's also very noteworthy that Kevin O'Sullivan has now won five SEC titles. Um, he there are just he is one of four coaches now in SEC history that have won at least five titles, uh, which is very impressive. He joins the like, likes of Skip Bertman and Ron Polk. Um, so, yeah, just a, another very strong weekend from the Gators who continue to very much look like the very best team in the country. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. I mean, we've I, I feel like we've said this, had the same conversation <laughs> on every podcast this season. I mean, it's the it's it, they're 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 the leading candidate to win the national championship. They won it last year. You look at what they've done this year. They've literally done nothing wrong. They haven't lost a single series this year. They're certainly the front runner. You know, my biggest takeaway from that series, because we already know Florida's really good. For me, I think the fact that Georgia was able to avoid the sweep, salvage salvage a win there in that last game, pair that with, a, you know, a nice midweek win against rival Georgia Tech. You know, for me, I've been really impressed with Georgia this year. I think they've, you know, surprised. I know they've surprised me. They, they've played better than I had anticipated coming into this year, and they've held tough in that spot right behind Florida in the SEC East. And, 
you know, you look at them, they're sitting at number four in the RPI right now. They're 16 and 11 in the, in the SEC, and they're in really good position now coming into the postseason. I mean, it's, they've done a great job, the Bulldogs, with just piecing it together and, and winning these series when needed. Yeah, I thought UGA was going to be improved this year, um, but I definitely did not see them hosting a regional. Uh, and like you said, they're they're looking like uh, you know they're in really good shape to be a top eight seed. And um, you know the the Bulldogs finished the year or finished the regular season at five and zero against the ACC. They swept Clemson. They swept that ser- the Georgia Tech. Um, you know, a very very strong year. Um, from the Bulldogs, who remain a pretty young group. And, you know, they're, they're going to lose a senior like Keegan McGovern, who's having a fantastic season for them. Um, but if you look ahead, you know, to next year, which I know we don't really want to do yet, uh, we're still pretty wrapped up in this year. But, I mean, just looking ahead, this Georgia team is going to be good for the next couple of years because there are so many underclassmen on this team. Um, and, and I think they are a little ahead of schedule. You know, I, I, in some respects, I suppose they're behind schedule because it took them so long to get here. It's been such a long time since Georgia has been in this kind of position. But uh, now that they're here, I, I think they are, uh, you know, ahead of where where a lot of people thought they were going to be this year. Um, even in the the most optimistic scenario, I, I don't think. Uh, there were a whole lot of people out there thinking that this Georgia team was going to host. I, I think it was more like, well, this is the year they can get to the NCAA tournament. Um, but no, Georgia Georgia definitely having a very nice year, and that was a very nice win on Sunday. Um, you know, and an important win for them as they try and you know lock up the this host site and the top eight seed and and all the rest of that. Elsewhere in the SEC, Ole Miss swept Auburn. Very loud weekend. Um, those were the SEC West is very tightly compact at the top. Um, it was even more so coming into this weekend. We got a little bit of clarity this weekend with Arkansas sweeping AM and Ole Miss sweeping Auburn. Those two have kind of separated, and they we had them projected as top eight seeds a week ago. They really solidified that, I feel like, this weekend with their sweeps. Um, Auburn, which had been kind of on the edge of that top eight seed, you know, seemed like a a pretty decent candidate to host now goes into the final weekend with some work to do in that regard. Yeah, no, they're 13 and 14 in the SEC right now. Auburn, I know for us last night, it was one of those teams (laughs) where we've, we've had difficulty placing them because they've been really in every spot of our poll. They've been in the top 10, they've been in the middle, they've been in the back end where they are this week. They've been out of the poll it's, it's been really tough to place them. I think a big part of it is just the nature of the SEC and how these teams beat up on each other. And, and sometimes it's hard to tell which one of these teams are going to rise to the top, which makes what Florida has done this season even more impressive. But we don't have to go down that road again. We, we, <laughs> everyone knows how much we like this Florida team. But, yeah, you know, I think Auburn, it's, they are kind of in a weird spot right now at 13 and 14. And, um, you know, their RPI is still in great shape at, at number 12 overall, but they certainly, you know, can't go into the, this weekend against LSU and, and lay down against the, the, the Tigers. You know, it's, it's, it's a Tiger on Tiger battle and, you know, they, it's, it's important for both teams. I mean, LSU is a team that was out of our field of 64 a couple of weeks ago. And they're in better shape now because they've they've played better, but their RPI is still at 50. It's not where you really want it to be. Um, but they are they do have 14 wins in the SEC and, and they should be okay you know going forward as long as they're able to grab a win this weekend at Auburn but it's uh, the SEC West is a lot tougher to figure out than the SEC East right now clearly absolutely um, and I, I thought this weekend was very important from Ole Miss's perspective especially given what happened a week ago when they um, you know went to South Carolina and lost that series for them to bounce back the way they did against a really good Auburn team. Um, you know, I, I thought that was that was pretty impressive, and um, you know they they knocked they gave Casey Mize probably his worst start of the year, uh, and you know sure some of that might might be attributable to him, but I think a lot of it is just the the offense that, that Ole Miss has and and the way that they can make starting pitchers work, and I think you saw that all weekend um, in this series as as Ole Miss uh, you know really they they did a really good job offensively. They scored twenty three runs on the weekend. It was it was a solid weekend all around for the Rebels, and with them going to Alabama, 
which is out of the SEC race, um, out of the SEC tournament race, uh, to finish out, I, you know, I, I think the Rebels are in a really good spot uh, as they, you know, come down the uh, the final stretch of this season here. And then there was another uh, pretty significant series this weekend with uh, Duke hosting North Carolina. Uh, that was a ACC. Is that Coastal, Mike? It is Coastal. I got I got this. Going Coastal. Um, so in the Coastal Division, the, those were the top two teams coming in. They're still the top two teams. The order hasn't changed. Carolina is still leading Duke. Uh, but Duke won the series this weekend. It was a very important series win for the Blue Devils, who had been kind of floating around the, the hosting bubble the last few weeks. I think this weekend really kind of pushed them back into the host, uh, onto the host line, at least for this week. And, you know, I, I think they're in a pretty good position as, as we get down to it. Yeah, I, I think they're a host at this point. Obviously, you know, things can change. Uh, you know, we'll see how they finish here. But, you know, now they have a series win against the number three RPI team in North Carolina. They have a series win at Florida State, which is still very impressive to me. You look at what they've done this year. They're 38-12, and 17-9 and nine in the ACC, number 14 in the RPI. They've done a, a tremendous job. I, I mean, I can't give Chris Pollard and that coaching staff enough credit for over these last few years building up this program into the top 10 team it is this year. And it, it's not by accident. You know, they've, they've put a lot of work into it. And you look at the talent on the roster. I was there this weekend, you know, cat, catching the early part of that series. And uh, it's a very, it's a difficult lineup to pitch to. It's not the necessarily the most powerful lineup, but it's a lot of guys who have the ability to barrel the baseball, make contact, hit and clutch situations, and, and come through. And they do have some power in the middle with Griffin Conine seems to finally get that, that home run swing going a little bit. He homered twice this weekend. Seems like maybe he's ready to burst out a little bit. If he's going, that, that adds another dimension to this Duke team and makes them all the more dangerous. But what really, what really has made them, what really has, for me at least, been a key contributor to their success is just their bullpen. Their bullpen has been insanely good this year. Insanely good. Jack Jack Lebowski, their closer, hadn't given up an earned run until this weekend. He, the entire season, his ERA is now you know half a run. Is his ERA at this point at zero point? Uh, let's see what it is here. I'm looking it up. Oh, actually no, it's even lower than that. It's zero point three. His ERA is zero point three in uh, tw- 29 and two-thirds innings, only giving up 18 hits, only four walks. That's what you want out of your closer. And he's not the only one. Ethan DeCaster, uh, a really a key reliever for them, a guy who on Friday night th- was the first guy out of the pen through several innings, and he has a 0.68 ERA this year. He's thrown 40 innings. He has 42 strikeouts, only four walks, throws from a lower slot, has pinpoint command of... Uh, of a, a sinker that has a ton of run to it, upper 80s, pairs it with a really sharp slider that gets a lot of swings and misses. Those two combined are incredibly dangerous in the back end of that bullpen. And you, you mix that with a, a veteran guy like Mitch Stallings, who pitched well on Friday night against Carolina, a veteran like Ryan Day, and Adam Lasky, a guy who has been up and down a little bit, started on Fridays, now is on Sunday at, at this point, but he's still a guy who has velocity, has talent and ability just needs to put it all together and be a little bit more consistent with it. So I really like this Duke team. I think it's a dangerous team heading into the postseason. And this was really, you know, I look at this series, I think this helps Duke more than it hurts UNC. I, I think it was a big boost for Duke. Yeah, I, I think, you know, your UNC still is leading the ACC uh, overall. Um and the RPI is still a really good number uh, in the top five. And uh, you know, they're, they're still rolling right along to be uh, it's still three even. Uh, <laughs> that's, pretty, was, that's pretty good. That's, that's not yeah, bad. That's pretty good. So that's where you want to be. North Carolina is rolling along to be a, a national seed for the second year in a row, um, regardless yeah. of this. It, it was, and, and then they finish this weekend with Virginia Tech, um, you know, which is a – nice way to finish they, they should be at home to virginia tech they should be able to to go out and, and close out this acc title duke really needed this one in terms of getting you know that hosting race and i think that would mean just so much for that program to host yeah um that you know it, they really want that and uh you mentioned Lebowski. he's part of 
what has been a pretty incredible senior class for Duke. The underclassmen may be flashier. They're better prospects. But this senior class uh, has been a huge part of all of Duke's success in the last few years, making the tournament two years ago for the first time in 50 years. And, um, you know, now this year's run. Uh, and, and I believe that they they as a class have won the most ACC games of any class in Duke history. Uh, Duke now has 17 ACC wins this year, which is a program record. You know, the, the, they're just a, a, an incredible height, um, you know, in terms of the, the program's success. And you really have to go back to the 1968 team, which made it all the way to Omaha to find you know, a year that was anything close to this in Duke history. Yeah, I mean, there hasn't been this buzz uh, around, this much buzz around Duke baseball since Mike Studd was was rapping and, and pitching uh, a few years ago. I mean, this is, and that was for rap reasons. This is, I mean, this team is a legitimate hosting caliber, top 10 caliber baseball team at this point, which is which is great to see for, especially for, you know, those coaches and what they've done there. What I want to know is when, is, is Mike Studd going to like come do a national anthem at some point? I, I feel like, I feel like he's got to drop some kind of Duke related single, something, something for the tournament. Between I, him and Strowman, they gotta, they gotta be cooking something up. I mean, Strowman, Strowman's on the disabled list right now. So I think, I think they have, they're going to have some time if they want to collaborate and put something together I think uh, you know this Duke team. You know could could use a hype song for the postseason. You know something to walk up to or, or run onto the field to. <laughs> so get uh, Coombs Field rocking. You know with some Mike Stud for sure. Well, while Duke, um, you know, is kind of a newcomer to this kind of attention uh, in terms of college baseball, two teams that we brought into the top twenty-five this week are a little more familiar with it. We're talking about South Carolina, which enters debuts uh in the top 25 this year at uh what are they number 23 they are number 23 the Gamecocks uh had not been ranked to this point you know we talked a lot about the Gamecocks last week just how they've turned the season around they continued to win they they have now won four straight SEC series as they uh beat Mizzou this weekend uh Carlos Cortez providing a walk-off home run on Sunday for a one-nothing victory uh, to clinch the series, I don't know that it gets any more dramatic than that. Uh, but another impressive weekend for the Gamecocks. And then Houston is back in the top 25. Um, they check in, back in after beating uh, Connecticut to claim another American Athletic Conference title. Yeah, and then for us, I know we talked about it. That was a, a must-win series for Houston, you know, where their RPI was and just all their other metrics in terms of getting into the tournament. They really needed something like that, and, and they did it. They, they came through. They clinched it in the first two games. It was huge for them. They've now clinched at least a share of the American Athletic Conference title, which is no easy feat. We've talked about how tightly packed that conference has been all season and over these last few seasons, but Houston has been, you know, I, I know we, we touched on it in a previous podcast, but they have been the team that seems to near the end of the season emerge at the top of the American Athletic Conference. They've been consistent from that standpoint. Did it again this year. Um, you know, a great coaching job by Todd Whitting to get them into that kind of shape and get put them in that position. And you know, it's it's another team with with their pitching ability and and some of the bats that they have that you know come postseason time. They could make a deep run potentially. I mean, they're not they're not phased clearly by you know the competition they've been facing at this point and by the uphill climb that they've had to face. So it's a very impressive run for them as, as well as South Carolina, a team that really just it didn't look like a postseason team a month ago. It just didn't. And all of a sudden, now they're in our top 25. You know, it's things can change really, really quickly in college baseball, and those two teams are, are great examples of that. Yeah, absolutely. And then from Connecticut's perspective this weekend, I think that dealt – a close to fatal blow potentially to uh, to their hosting chances. Yeah. It's still there for them because they have East Carolina coming up this weekend, and then you know the American tournament. And if they were to win this weekend and go on a really good run in Clearwater, I'm talking about winning the tournament probably, at least making it to the finals. You know they can probably get back there, but now UConn has. Um, you know, they fall into 12 and 9 in the American. Their RPI number is still very good, but I think this weekend may have been just about it for the Huskies. 
Yeah, it's uh, the, they definitely needed the series to, to host. I mean, where they are right now, RPI-wise, and then the standings, I don't think they're going to host. But at the same time, we've talked about this before, too, I don't think they're going to mind that much. They're used to playing on the road. They've, They've the <laughs> second most road wins in the country. I, I looked this up last night because somebody asked me if Louisiana Tech got to 18 road wins, which is pretty impressive. But I, so I looked up who had the most, and UConn is second with 22. Wagner has 23. Yeah, I mean... UConn just out of necessity because of where they play, because of the cold weather, they play a lot of road games, and they're twenty-two and twelve on the road. They're eight and four at home. So if anything, you know, there might be at more of an advantage playing on the road in the tournament. You know, they're used to it. It's it's comfortable. It's like being at home in some ways for them. So I don't think they're gonna mind too much. I, I think with with their pitching and you know, especially with the way some of their bats are going right now too. Um, I, I think that they're gonna they can make a splash certainly in the tournament as a as a number two or number three seed. And that was big for them to win on Sunday. So the the series got abbreviated a little bit, uh, or, or all the schedule got altered by weather. And Houston swept a doubleheader Friday, Saturday was off, and then Sunday UConn was able to come back out. And and like we mentioned with Georgia, uh, similar for the Huskies, really big, I think, to win that third game especially for a team that was left bubble out last year in the tournament. Um, you know, I don't think that they were kind of in danger of that this year, but I do know that, you know, that they want to do everything they can to make sure that that doesn't happen again. So uh, winning on Sunday, I, I think was important for them as, especially as we get into this week when East Carolina uh, is coming up to, to UConn. Yeah, I mean, I, I know from, from talking with the, the coaches and a couple players in the preseason that, you know, getting that snub from from the postseason last year is certainly something that weighed heavily on them and, and, and an extra layer of motivation for them coming into this year. And certainly here down the stretch, I'm sure they have that in mind. You mentioned, I mean, they're, they're not in danger of missing the tournament, but I'm sure they're going to have that extra chip on their shoulder to make sure that they finish strong and build a strong case going into it. I guess if they had gotten swept, they'd be 11 and 10 in the conference with you with ECU coming. I mean, it would have been a little more dangerous because, as I've said before, I just don't think the committee is going to look favorably on a team with an under 500 record in the American. Um, you know, the the SEC you can afford that. I, I don't think the American can. But regard that that's irrelevant now because UConn got the win, uh, and and I do think they're in in fine position. Um, Mike, we touched on a lot of uh, a lot of different conferences, but we want to kind of whip it around now um, through through some various conferences. Look at how some teams are doing in terms of the various bubbles that we have. Uh, whether we're talking about bubble for the tournament, bubble for hosting, uh, just kind of run through some of the teams that are, are kind of on the edge. And as we get into the final weekend or final two weeks. Uh, before Selection Monday. So let's uh, let's go back to the ACC. All right, let's do it. This weekend, we have, there, there's a, a North Carolina State taking on Florida State. Those are two teams that right now are projected as hosts. Florida State, though, kind of needs this one, I feel like, because if they were to lose this weekend, their ACC record, they're, they're going to fall back in the ACC standings, and they're going to fall close to 500 um, in terms of conference record and I sorting out the ACC pref list of hosts is not easy but a series win this weekend would be big for the Seminoles yeah I I think so I mean certainly I mean you look at their resume to this point and I mean they've they've dropped the series at Clemson they've lost the series against Duke at home they dropped the series at Georgia Tech um, you know, the, their best series wins at this point. They also dropped a series at Wake Forest. I mean, their best series wins at this point are at North Carolina and against Louisville. Both are very good series wins, but I, I do think that even though their RPI is good at, at number 10, I do think they need that one more marquee series win to put them over the top. Whereas North Carolina State, the only thing they've done wrong this year is get swept by UNC. If they had just won one of those games, they would be in a lot better position, I think, as far as the national seed race and all that goes. But if they win this weekend, if they win at Florida State and, and take this series, I think they're right back in the running for it because their RPI will jump. 
And, I mean, they're right behind Clemson there in the Atlantic Division race. And depending on how those two teams fare in the ACC tournament as well, I mean, that will play a factor. But State's only lost the one series this year. So they have a very a very strong resume from that standpoint. And I think adding a series win at Florida State would be humongous for them. For sure. Now, the ACC does not have much in the way of bubble teams. But they do have Miami and Georgia Tech. Yes. Uh, Miami is back to 500. They are one of the hottest teams in the country. They've won eight straight to get back to 500. They are above 500 in the ACC. The RPI, 59. They close this week. They have Stetson at home, Boston College at home, and then they go to Durham for the tournament. Where do you sit on the Canes? I'm pressing the panic button. I'm pressing the panic button because it's still a lot to do. They, they still have to do, do a lot. And this is a team that, before this hot streak, was well below 500. A, a team that, and you look at them talent-wise, they, they're just not as talented as they were a couple of years ago when they had those back-to-back Omaha teams. The, the reality is that they, they lost the core of those teams, and they've kind of been in a rebuilding phase these last couple of years. And I don't know... Obviously, Jim Morris is a, a, an incredible head coach, has done incredible things in the college game, and I, I wouldn't put it past him to get this team in shape. Obviously, this eight-game winning streak to get back to 500 is very impressive, but I, for me, they need to do a lot going forward. They, they obviously, they need to win the series this weekend, and then they would need a, I think... It's a must-sweep this week. They, they need to sweep this week, and then I think really, I mean, they might even, they may not have to win the ACC tournament, but I think they kind of need to win the ACC tournament in some ways. I don't, I don't know. think it's quite that far gone yet. I mean, yeah. so if they win this weekend, they're going to have 17 ACC. If they sweep this weekend, they have 17 ACC wins. Yeah. And the RPI number is not going to be great still because BC is not going to help that much. But then they're going to go to the they're going to go to Durham and play some pretty decent RPI competition there. And if they just win a couple games in Durham at that point. Now you're talking about 19 ACC wins. I think that's in. Yeah. That's a lot to that's a lot to do. That, that's a big ask still, you're right. But I think it's there for them. I mean, they yeah. they need to do the work, but I think it's sitting there for them and I don't think it has to it, it's a case where they have to be holding a trophy on Sunday to to feel good about it. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, look, looking at their resume, there's really, at, at this point, uh, other than just the volume of wins in the ACC, there's not a whole lot to oh, no, that's fair. hang your hat on. It's 100% I mean, fair. They, they won, <laughs> I mean, they won the series at Clemson, which is which is a great series win for them. But otherwise, That's why the RPI is where it is, is because yeah. it's a volume resume. That's, that's what they're trying to compile here. Yeah, I mean, but otherwise, I mean, the, their other series wins are against the, the teams in the bottom of the ACC, teams that they should be. So, you know, for them, as you said, I mean, they really need to sweep BC this weekend. And, and really, I mean, a midweek win against Stetson would help. It would be nice. Stetson is the number seven RPI team right now. Miami doesn't have many top 50 wins. That would be one. So that would be, that's actually a midweek games often aren't that important for, for some teams for RPI reasons and all that. But this one is an important one, especially down the stretch. I think if they win that game, that would be a nice boost for them. For sure. All right, let's uh, flip over to the SEC, where, as previously mentioned, things are messy. I think that, you know, we, we touched on the hosts. Those are what they are at this point, and various SEC teams can make significant gains in the last two weeks because the SEC tournament is going to just provide everyone with an opportunity to pick up a lot of big wins. So I just want to focus on the teams at the back end of this We've got uh, A&M and Mississippi State at 12 and 15 in the conference. Mm-hmm. A&M has, you know, the they've got the really good RPI number. They're, they're number 15 in RPI, and they get South Carolina at home this weekend. Mississippi State has an okay RPI number. It's 35, but they get Florida at home this weekend. Not a position you want to be in, needing to beat Florida just to get to 14 SEC wins. I'm hit, I'm hitting the panic button on Mississippi State. I, I obviously, I I mean they they control their destiny to a standpoint because if they do beat Florida this weekend, but 
That's a huge ask. <laughs> That's a huge. It's 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 a huge ask. I mean, they, they could they could do it. It's not it's not unfeasible. And Florida, admittedly, does not have a ton to play for this weekend. Yeah, so I mean, there I could see a scenario in which they can do it, especially because they're hosting them. You know, they're playing them at home, but it's they they're in a tough position at this point, and especially with where the RPI is, especially the fact that they're three games below 500 in the SEC. I feel much better about Texas A&M's chances, just given where the RPI is, given their overall record, and you know some of the series wins that they have. They haven't been the force in the SEC that I think we had envisioned this year. I know we both liked their team coming into this year. I think we had them preseason number twelve or around there. I think it was ten to something like that. We liked them. We liked Texas A&M. We liked. I'm pretty the sure they were the ten. <laughs> yeah, we liked the talent on the team. They just haven't, you know, consistency wise, they've been up and down quite a bit this year and obviously you know this weekend we're swept at Arkansas so you know they need to they need to finish strong there's no question South Carolina is as hot as anyone in the country right now you know coming into College Station and they've shown South the Gamecocks have played well on the road over this last month too so it's not going to be an easy series by any stretch they need to they need to not get swept for sure this weekend and they need to win this series yeah I mean they they lose this series they go to Hoover with a ton to do. Yeah. If they can get to 14 SEC wins this weekend, go to Hoover. Um, at that point, they'd be playing in the, the play-in day on Tuesday. They'd have to win that game too, I think. And at that point, I would start to feel kind of safe. Um, losing the next two games would be suboptimal. But um, they can get to 14 this weekend. I, I would feel a lot better about the Aggies going forward. That RPI number is going to help them a lot, but it's only going to do so much. Um, you know, you, you can't overcome a bad conference record at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to you know UNC a couple of years ago, where they had, I believe, they were 15 RPI, same number, but they were below 500 in the ACC, missed the ACC tournament, and did not make the NCAA tournament. So it's there's precedent for it. An RPI, a high RPI alone, isn't enough to get you into the tournament. It's a factor. And that, that's an important thing to, to mention as well here is that neither A&M nor Mississippi State is in Hoover yet. Um, you know, they're both sitting, they, if it ended today, they're in. But Tennessee's 11 and 16, Mizzou is 10 and 17. Either one could catch either of these teams if they slip up. And I think that's especially relevant for Mississippi State, um, given who they have to play this weekend. And, you know, if they miss the tournament then it's over lights out and you know so and if that happens uh and AM has you know still a top 20 rpi or whatever i think the sec will at that point find a way to put 14 teams in hoover okay. uh which i would be excited to see how they would pull that off but um both of these teams still just you know are they're not guaranteed of even making the sec tournament yet so they're both of them must win this weekend and it would be helpful um, if you know, it would be really, really helpful to take advantage of the, the home field advantage that they have, as difficult as that's going to be facing the competition that they have. Um, let's move on uh, to the Big 12. Okay. Which has the most entertaining title race, at least for this weekend, of the Power Five. Um, I don't know. Having said that, I'm not sure that I actually. I, I'm now. I, I was. I you didn't sell me on it either. To I'm be walking honest. that back, yeah. but it's an intriguing one. We have Oklahoma State hosting Texas Tech this weekend, and both of them, I feel like, are on the bubble of various things. So we have Oklahoma State trying to hold on to a host spot, and basically, if we project them to host this week, it's basically just going to come down to they would be the Big Twelve champions. Their RPI is 23. That. They don't have 30 wins yet. Like, that's really not getting it done. But yeah. if they win the Big 12, that kind of changes some things. So They're, this, they're a really weird first-place team in a Power 5 conference. It is the strangest thing. <laughs> I tried to say in a much longer time last night when we were talking, Mike, Mike quickly corrected me. It is definitely the strangest thing I've seen since, like, Utah, though. Yeah. Um, not quite as I mean Utah was Utah was stranger because that was, was special because their non-conference record was it was ghastly. Um, yeah, they were under five hundred. <laughs> that 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 is not what Oklahoma State is, but they are twenty nine, nineteen, and one, and their RPI is twenty three, and they really need this this series against Texas Tech. Texas Tech has the really good RPI, but has the poor conference record. 
Um, so they're number nine in RPI. They have 12 and nine in the Big 12, though. And if they were to lose this weekend, all of a sudden you're, you're looking at maybe 13 and 11. And that's kind of pushing it for hosting. I mean, I think the RPI probably saves them. But it would look a lot better. You'd feel a lot better about it if they just win this weekend. And, oh, by the way, if they win this weekend, Texas can still get back into this mix in terms of winning the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two games out, two games behind Oklahoma State, but they beat Oklahoma State, and they have TCU at home this weekend. And UT is trying to, you know, they're kind of on the edge of hosting. I also think this weekend could be a nice opportunity for TCU. TCU needs this weekend because yeah. they're on the bubble, period. Yeah, and I'm, I'll am i go ahead and oh, I need to unlock my phone. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, you know, TCU is a, is a team that we've, I mean, we haven't had them in in our field of 64. They're, they're still, I mean, they're within striking distance with where they are right now, but they need a really big finish. And winning a series against Texas this weekend on the road would be a great start. I, I think they would still need some work to do after that in the tournament. But, you know, with where they are right now, they're 10 and 10 in the conference. They're 29 and 19, just like Oklahoma State. Um, but it's just the conference record isn't there. The RPI isn't there. They're, they're 60, 63rd in RPI, 7-11 against the top 50. But they're 8-2 in their last 10 games, which, you know, give them credit. You know, it's a team that could have just laid down after Luke and Baker got hurt, after Jared Janzik got hurt. They could have just said, okay, it's just not our year. They're continuing to fight. They're playing well over these last 10 games, and they have an opportunity here. They, they do have a chance to play their way back into the mix. They, they're not totally you know dead and buried at this point in the Big 12. So they're, they're within striking distance. I'm, I'm interested to see how this is all going to play out. It's kind of messy and complicated in the Big 12. We could see, I mean, very possible we see Texas in first place at the end of the weekend. Oklahoma State could still hang on. Um, you know, there's a lot that could happen here, but... I also want to mention Baylor, which got a big series yeah, win this weekend high. against Oklahoma State, and they'd been kind of floating around the bubble. That kind of pushed them more over the top, but at the same time, they're only 11-10 and 10 in conference, and they have to go to West Virginia this weekend, which beat Texas two weeks ago at home. So that's not an easy road trip, and Baylor can... It's, it's, a, it's a pretty picturesque road trip, though, you know, the country roads, you know. Mike does love West Virginia. I do love, you know, Country Roads, Take Me Home, you know, John Denver. Do you like John Denver's other work? No, I just know. Well, I I shouldn't say that. I I haven't, I've never done a deep dive into John Denver's discography. (laughs) Like, I'm going to be honest. Like, I haven't, you know, he's he's not the the guy I pull up on Spotify, you know, but that song, you know, it hits you in the feels. It's it's a really, it's a really wonderful song. So I think Baylor's going to enjoy the the, the trip to West Virginia. If they hear that song too much this weekend, they will not enjoy it because that would probably mean good things for the Mountaineers. And Baylor, you know, just kind of, that could put them back towards the bubble. Um, So Baylor's a team that still, it was a really good win this weekend, really good series win in Waco. They still, over the last couple weeks here, uh, both in, uh, in Morgantown and then at the Big 12 tournament, going to have to be careful that they you know, continue to do enough to, to kind of keep their spot in the field of 64. Uh, moving on, Pac-12. Oh, boy. This is Uh-oh. a confusing Bef- mess. Before we even get to a team, that's what I think about the Pac-12 at this point. Other than, other than Stanford and Oregon State, it's, oh, my God. It's so wild. UCLA, uh, <laughs> like a couple weeks ago, I had in my aid for Omaha, and they have not done well the last two weeks. I'm hitting that. I'm hitting that for their their hosting chances. At, at uh, that's over. That, yeah. We're beyond that. That's <laughs> over. Um, they're still fine for the tournament. Their RPI is 37, but at the same time, they kind of need to come out of this nosedive, um, where they've lost. Uh, I think it's six of or seven of eight. They get Oregon at home this weekend and then they have to go to Corvallis so this weekend kind of feels like a must win um though UCLA has the talent to pull out of this it just would be more beneficial if they pull out of this sooner rather than later as for Arizona and Uh, Washington yeah uh the two teams that have been kind of hanging on the back Arizona got swept a cow this weekend they They're 11-14 in the Pac-12 now. Their RPI fell to 46. 
I had felt really good a week ago about Arizona. This is a team that just can't play on the road, though, clearly. Arizona, I'll tell you what, Teddy, Arizona has been an emotional roller coaster for me this season. <laughs> you know, the, the like you said last week, I felt, I felt good about Arizona. You know, we did our field of 64, and I was like, you know what? Let's put Arizona in here. I feel good about this, that they're in it. And now, and now they go, and they're eleven and fourteen now. Get in the Pac-12. They're in eighth place. Their RPI is 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 inflated a little bit back up to, to forty six. They're twenty nine and twenty overall. It's just the whole the conference. Having said all of this, though, I still like the Wildcats because this weekend they're at home against Arizona State. There's going to be a yeah. lot of emotion in that. I feel good about them in that series. And then it's at Oregon. And, yes, they do have to find a way to win a series on the road, which they have not done all year. They're 7-12 on the road. But it's there for them to do. Yeah, they could. The, I, see, I see a path for them. Um, I, do, I do see a path for them more so than some of these other teams in the middle. Teams, teams that I, I like talent-wise, but just – you know, with their RPIs where they are, you know, I'm talking specifically about Washington and California. I mean, Cal obviously swept Arizona this weekend, but their RPI is still 78, which isn't going to get it done. Um, 29 and 19 overall, 14 and 13. And Washington, um, you know, they're number 66 in the RPI. Obviously, they picked up the nice series win against UCLA, but I mean, they, they're going to Utah this weekend. They have to sweep that series. And then they finish against Stanford, and, you know, they. I don't know if it's a must win. It might be a must win. I mean, they're going to I'll be, say it's must win. Yeah, it's it's certainly it would certainly behoove them to win that series. Um, you know, it's it's tough. The Pac-12 is is really tough right now because you do have those those three teams at the top that are confidently in and then the rest is is kind of a mess. But of those teams, you know, I do I do agree. I think Arizona has the easiest path and the most realistic path, but they still have to find a way to win on the road. They, they, they have to get over their road demons and, and just do the thing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. Uh, Washington and Cal, their RPI is never going to be good. They, they don't have to be necessarily in the top 40 or whatever. They, they can be, if they finish well enough in the conference, and I'm not sure Cal actually can because they only have three Pac-12 games left, uh, but if they finish well enough in the conference, that, that can help make up for the RPI. It'll be very interesting to watch this play out. Uh, I'm sure there are some West Coast fans that are you know, looking at this and saying, well, it's just Pac-12 teams beating up on each other. This, this happens in other conferences, and you just talk about how deep the SEC and the ACC are. Well, it's yes, <laughs> to an extent, but also these are, you know, we're, we're talking about teams that are pretty mediocre here um, in terms of overall records. Um, you know, Washington, 25 and 21, Oregon sitting there at 11 and 13, they're 25 and 24, um, Arizona state is 20 and 28. I mean, these are, they, they just aren't teams that, that look like postseason teams. Somebody is going to emerge from this as a postseason team. And I think an argument can be made that, you know, the PAC 12 is going to deserve or, or would some of these teams would be solid postseason teams if they were given a chance. Uh, but at the same time, you got to earn it, and none of these teams that we're really talking about here, the, the Washington, Cal, and Arizona group, they haven't done a whole lot to really jump up and say, yes, put me in the tournament. I've done what I need to do. I, I, think, I think it's a down year for the conference, other than obviously at the very top. I, 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 just, I just think you look at it, and it's weighed down by the teams at the bottom with RPIs in, in, the, in the triple digits, and... You know, teams that, I mean, you look at Utah 13 and 35, Washington State 15 and 27 down there. I mean, it, it's just, uh, it, it's really, it's it's the three teams at the top and then everybody else. Um, it, it doesn't have the same balance and depth that the SEC and to a lesser extent the ACC have had this year. All right. So, enough uh, depressing Pac 12 talk. <laughs> Let's talk about the Big Ten real quick. Um, the Big Ten. Minnesota seems pretty clearly on a hosting track. Their RPI, nothing positive happened to that over the last week, but win the Big Ten, and I think they're going to be okay. More interestingly, this week, Purdue has made a pretty significant move in the standings. Their RPI still maybe not where you'd want it to be. Michigan has fallen off. You know, They had that incredible run, that 20-game winning streak, 
They're in first place in the Big Ten for a while. Minnesota has passed them, and they now have this massive series against Purdue. Neither neither of these teams is in a, a comfortable position. The winner this weekend uh, will, you know, it's it's just a really big weekend for both of them. I don't know that it guarantees either one of them a berth. Um, you know, they still need to go to the Big Ten tournament and, and maybe do a little something. But, you know, the the winner is going to finish second in the in the Big Ten. And I think that's probably going to mean a lot. Um, particularly if they're able to, to keep their RPI hanging around 50. Uh, so I, I feel good about the winner, whoever wins this weekend in West Lafayette. I feel good about their chances. The lo- team that loses is going to go to Omaha and need to do a lot of work. Yes, the Big Ten tournament is in Omaha. You confused me for a quick second. I, yeah, I, I, I said it, and then I, I, was, I was like, like people are probably going to be confused. Yeah, I was like, that's a that's a big jump to, <laughs> to say that the loser of this series is going to go to Omaha. That's that's pretty bold. That's a, that's a bold take. Iowa, which had a week ago really, you know, kind of done an Arizona thing where they like went out and they won a series against against Oklahoma State, and you felt like okay, the Hawkeyes have done this. They then turned around and lost a series at Northwestern, which is second to last in the Big Ten, and Iowa's RPI has cratered, and the Hawkeyes are in serious trouble, as Mike just indicated. Yeah, I mean, 25-18 and 18 overall, seventh place in the Big Ten at 10-9, and nine, 64 RPI right now. They've got some serious work to do at this point. The good news is they play Penn State this weekend, which is the worst team in the Big Ten. <laughs> Sweep that... They're going to move up in the standings a little bit. It's not going to help their RPI, but it. They have to sweep this weekend. They have to. They 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 again, as they were last year, are in a position where they're going to need to do work in the Big Ten tournament. Last year, they went all the way and they won it. I don't know. Well, I'll be interested to see where this all shakes out after this week. I'm not prepared to say that they're in a must-win the Big Ten tournament position. But I'll tell you, it wouldn't hurt. Getting that auto bid wouldn't hurt. Um, yeah, it would. No, that, <laughs> it would help. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the Big Ten is, uh, you know, it's, it's another conference here that's kind of, I mean, these teams at the top are very tightly clustered, and their RPIs are in ranges as such where it's, it's difficult to project. You know, I, as you said, I mean, Michigan-Purdue is a, it's a huge series for both of those teams with where they are and where their metrics are. You know, Ohio State seems to be sitting in fairly decent. I think position. Ohio State is in great position yeah. and is probably the best two in the conference right now. Yeah, I think. I mean, with where they are, I mean, thirteen and eight, thirty-three and seventeen overall, number thirty-three in the RPI. You know, Illinois is still there. Um, it, it's still- this weekend beating Michigan. We had Illinois out last week. They're back in. Yeah, I, they've they've been they've been bubblicious at times this year. But oh, they're still bubblicious, I think. Um, it, yeah, but I, I do think I feel better about the Illini than I did, especially coming ago. back home to play Nebraska, which is having a tough year beset by injuries. Uh, Illinois needs to take care of business at home this weekend, but I yeah. think they can really shore some things up this weekend. Yeah, they had, you know, they lost three straight series, one non-conference to Grand Canyon and the other to Indiana to Ohio State. So they, they really needed to win the series this weekend. And they stepped up. Brent Spillane had a great series for them. He's, he's, his numbers are insane. He's slugging 954 at this point, leading the country. Um, he's, he's been a great story for them. Um, they're in... You know they're in good position with where they are right now, but they do still need to finish strong and take care of business. I think that could be said for most of these teams outside of Ohio State and Minnesota. Absolutely, that took us through the Power Five. Uh, Mike, do you want to make it a Power Six and talk the American real quick? Yeah, why, why not? You know they are uh, they are number four in terms of conference <laughs> RPI, so they're they're a Power Five in our hearts. We, uh, they would definitely let you know that it's a Power Six conference. Um, we, uh, we touched on this pretty quickly already, I think. We, we mentioned where Houston and UConn fall. East Carolina, though, this weekend, going to UConn. We had them as hosts last week. How big is this weekend for the Pirates? I think, uh, I think it's enough for a... I think it's enough, not like a super panicked. Like, I, w- I wish I had a, an air horn that sounded less panicky in tone, but... 
Um, you know, I do think they need to win this series. I mean, you look at, at what they've done. I mean, we've talked about we had a tough time placing them in our rankings last night because you look at the overall body of work, and it's impressive. You know, they have number 13 RPI. They have some really nice non-conference series wins. I mean, they had the win against UNC early on in the year, which has looked better and better. Um, they also had that cross-country trip to Washington, which was really random. But, hey, they won that series. That was that was great. But then, you know, following that, they lose the series at home to South Florida, and then they get swept at home by Houston, you know, their main competition in the American. UConn is their other main competition here. And I, I think I think they need to win this series. If they want to host, I do think they need to win this series. I would agree that this is must win. Um, maybe they could salvage it by going and winning the the tournament, but this weekend, massive for them. And also I mentioned UCF here. Again, they're eleven and ten in the conference, thirty-four in RPI. Um, that's fine. They're in right now, but they play Tulane this weekend at home, and I I like the Knights here. But if they were to slip up, that's going to slip up UCF. That's going to do bad <laughs> things to their RPI, and it also would push them to five hundred yeah. in the conference. So uh, I don't know that that would knock them all the way out, but it would it would be a bad trend uh going into to clearwater this is of of the quote-unquote power six where this conference is usually really difficult to read i i feel pretty comfortable with these teams that we're looking at here as far as getting in i mean obviously some of these these hosting questions are going to need to be figured out but i mean these these top five teams are strong five teams obviously ucf can still play their way out of it but I, I do feel pretty confident that Houston, East Carolina, Connecticut, I mean, South Florida maybe is a little shakier, but I still think they're in good shape. You know, 25 They're RPI. 25 in the RPI. They're in third place in the conference right like, now. I, I yeah. feel okay about them. Yeah, I, I, I feel... I feel better than okay about them. I feel... I, Teddy feels great about them. I, I wouldn't go that far. We did, <laughs> we did take them out of the top 25 this week. <laughs> um, but I, I think the American is a lot steadier and actually easier to read than some of these other conferences right now. Yeah, shout out the American for uh, being easy this this one time. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the only time I've ever said that, and maybe the only time I ever will say that. But yeah, they've it's we've have some clarity in that conference now, especially after what Houston did this weekend. So, but obviously the ECU UConn series has big ramifications for the postseason for really for I mean for both teams, but especially for East Carolina if they want to host. Absolutely. Uh, and I just wanted to touch on Coastal Carolina here real quickly. They had a huge 4-0 week. They'd kind of fallen out of the host range a week ago after they lost their first series of the year at Louisiana Lafayette. They are back. Uh, they're back in the oh, top they're 20. They're back, baby. They're back in the top 20 in RPI uh, after beating North Carolina and sweeping Little Rock this weekend. I don't know that I'm ready to say I feel good about them hosting. They play Appalachian State this weekend. That's not going to be helpful in any way. That they have to sweep that basically to avoid any harm to their RPI. Um, and then they have the Sun Belt tournament where they're going to play some good teams, but nothing that's going to like really give them a chance to really move up. Um, if they were to combine, so they won the Sun Belt title, they clinched it this weekend. They're able to combine that with the tournament title. I think it's going to be hard to tell them no, but they're also kind of at the mercy of the way other things work out they are it's gonna be hard for them to really put a flag in the stand flag in the ground and say yes this is a hosting caliber team um yeah no i i agree or, with sorry hosting caliber resume it's definitely a hosting caliber team but it will the resume be there yeah no i i agree with that take and you know just to stick in the in the fun belt for a second south alabama is going to troy this weekend which could have some ramifications. That might be an elimination series. It could be. It could be. I mean, both of those teams, um, you know, they've both appeared in our field of 64 at various times this season, and, and you look at what they've both done. I mean, South Alabama 17-9 and in the conference, Troy 17-10, and South Alabama number 55 RPI, Troy number 43. South Alabama wins this series. It's a really nice boost for them. If, if Troy wins this series, I think that shores up. Uh, uh, an at-large bid for them, you know, I mean, I guess barring what they do in the tournament, but I, I would feel fairly good about Troy getting in at that point if they win that series. 
So I, I think that's uh, I think it's a key series to watch this weekend. I think both of those teams are with where they are, kind of on the bubble, and I mean it, it's perfect timing for for both of them. I'm sure both head coaches are saying, "Hey, this you win the series, we're we're in good shape." So we'll see what what happens there. This is a this is a fun weekend for sure. Uh, you know, the last weekend of the regular season, a desperation time for a lot of these teams, and that'll carry over into the conference tournaments too, where you know, especially the one bid leagues, you know, fighting for auto bids. So um, it, that's a that's certainly a, a fun Sun Belt series that I'm looking forward to this weekend. Absolutely. We've got another good weekend coming up. It's the final weekend of the regular season. Um, we have some conference tournaments going already. Uh, the Patriot League finals are this weekend. Army versus Navy uh, with the NCAA tournament bid on the line. I don't know. To me, that's like the best possible argument for conference tournaments. Um, so that'll be fun. And then uh, a lot of these conferences, pretty much everyone except for uh, the Pac-12 and the Big West, finishing up the regular season. So it'll be a loaded weekend. Uh, we'll be back here on next Monday uh, to talk about it uh, and to talk about our, uh, our latest top 25. And uh, we know this time of year everyone is, is very, very interested in uh, the, how the NCAA tournament is going to shake out. So remember on Wednesday we'll have our latest projected field of 64 over at BaseballAmerica.com. So uh, go and check that out. Uh, then Mike and I will have lots of fun. Uh, making it this week, I'm sure. Oh, it's going to be a blast, guys. It's we're gonna. It's, <laughs> These it's decisions will be very easy. Yeah, I, as you could probably tell from listening to this entire podcast, we are both very, very confident in our <laughs> in our projections and what we think is going to happen and who we think is going to get in. So, um, yeah, it should be a breeze. Yeah. So look for that on Wednesday, and then uh, we'll be back here uh, on Monday to to tell you more about. Um, how, how everything's shaking out, how the, the field is looking, and, and how the poll's looking. So for Mike Lanana, I'm Teddy Cahill. Thanks for listening. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.